Well, good morning and happy Sunday to you. Happy Super Bowl Sunday to you and that. Um, if you're here for the first time or you're with us online, know that we are glad you are with us today. Uh, today we're going to be in Psalm 67 to end our current uh, series. Uh, but before we get into our passage today, I want to give you a heads up of what's coming next. Starting next week, we're going to be- begin a new series in 2 Corinthians. Uh, and as soon as I say that, I know the question is, well, why 2 Corinthians and not, why not 1 Corinthians? Uh, and to answer that, it's simply because there are several chapters in 2 Corinthians Uh, that have been very shaping for me personally, uh, and that also spoke into the vision of our church. You know, a little fun fact, the the, the phrase of seeing Jesus change lives, as said in our vision statement, that idea was birthed out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 of a transformed life uh, that we see more fully built out in this, that we'll see in this series, uh, that is titled The Transformed Life. I know this series is going to be divided into two parts. Uh, part one of our series will be uh, you know, the new life, and then the second half of the book, uh, we'll see this theme of the strong life. And so part one will take us, of the new life, will take us to Easter. Part two will take us through May, uh, and then we're going to finish up Exodus this summer, and boom, right, we're in August, okay? I'm really excited about it. Uh, because, as I said, 2 Corinthians has been incredibly shaping for me personally. You know, and I hope it will be for you as well. Um, but today, we uh, finish out our current series in Psalms, Seeing the God Who Restores. Uh, and this past series, or in, in the Psalms, that ends today, has been so good for me, uh, just reflecting on this past year. Right? And while also looking ahead uh, with hopeful expectation. You know, we've seen our God who meets us in both the valleys and the mountaintops of life. Uh, who meet us in our wildernesses and lead us to worship in these hard yet really sweet times. Uh, And today in Psalm 67, y'all, I may just come unglued, okay? Um, I'm going to come out a little hot. Uh, Don't don't be afraid to speak back uh, at me today, all right? I want you guys to wake up, all right? Because this psalm, Psalm 67, is one of the psalms that I pray consistently over our church for. And I'm going to pray on it. I'm going to pray this psalm on repeat, really until I die, uh, because this psalm is a heartbeat passage for New City Church. You know, it's a simple psalm, but it really packs a punch. Uh, But before I get too fired up, let's go ahead and read our passage today. Look at verse 1, starting in in verse 1 in Psalm 67. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, Salah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Salah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. You know, if you remember from two weeks ago, Psalm 65 was a, was a psalm of thanksgiving and hopeful expectation of a fruitful harvest and an abundant harvest leading us to pray and be hopeful, right? Begging God for an abundant harvest of salvation, leading us to cry out, right, for a revival in our city, leading us to cry out to believe in faith for nothing short of the next great awakening, just crazy audacious faith. And last week, you know, my good friend, Pastor Jeremy Dager, brought us through Psalm 66, leading us to praise and worship and rejoicing. And today in Psalm 67, uh, we piggyback off of Psalm 65 and Psalm 66, believing in God's astounding power to save. 
and his unruly desire for the whole earth, the whole world to worship Jesus Christ. And because we know that God not only desires for all people all over the world to worship him, uh, but he, we know that he is also able and willing and has the power to bring it about. And we as a church body, we can have so much hope and confidence that our labor to that end will not be done in vain. Which leads us to our main idea for today, which is right out of Psalm 67, which says, God blesses his people so that they may be a blessing to the world. God blesses his people that they may be a blessing to the world. To say it another way, more concretely as a prayer for us, we could say, may a revival happen in our city through our efforts to see more people worship Jesus Christ so that those people would mature, be established in their faith, and to then be sent out into the world. And so may we see God's blessings, both corporately and individually, as God's means for giving himself more worship. You know, there's, there's two extremes today uh, that we'll have to, uh, that I want to point out, that we must avoid. There's two ditches on both sides of the road here, so reckless drivers, beware. I'm sure there's some of you out there, so beware today. Uh, you know, on one side, the ditch to fall into is the prosperity gospel that prays for God to bless us, to bless our health, our wealth, and success, uh, that we would be blessed for our sake, oftentimes tied to financial gain uh, and, and, and promising of a better life, which is not a biblical idea. In the church world, oftentimes at a corporate level, you know, a church-wide level, the hidden motives are often tied to wanting to be a successful church with large crowds and big buildings and, uh, that tends to elevate the church. But we as a church, we must completely reject those poor, those poor motives. Because as we'll see today, the end goal is not large crowds for our glory. The end goal is more worship for God's glory. But the, but the often overcorrection, the ditch on the other side of the road, uh, opposed to the prosperity gospel is not to pray for God's blessings. And it's to not uh, ask for any sort of favor, which I think we could call the poverty gospel that hints at the idea that any sort of blessings or favor, favor is evil and should not be sought after. Psalm 67, however, keeps us in our lane, right, in, in between these two ditches because we see David praying for God's blessing and favor, for God to be gracious and for God to bless his people. But not for their own sake, it's for the sake of God's glory, to be greater among all the earth. To say uh, our one big idea again, God blesses his people so that his people can be a blessing to the world. And so that's the one big driving direction of Psalm 67, and so that's our big idea today. Um, you know, today's text, as I said, it's not difficult, it's really simple, but although very simple, it should be life-altering. You know, it's often the simple things that are the, that, that are the hardest uh, and make the most impact. And so in typical New City Church fashion, we're going to walk right through this psalm again. We're going to point out a few things as we go, and we're going to drive towards our one big driving direction. Uh, and then we're going to drive in uh, to what this, looks, what this means for us today. With, uh, we're going to have two questions on the back half of our time that we're going to seek to answer. Okay, so look back at verse 1. David says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Salah. Before we go any further, <laughs> I want to point out something you're probably wondering. What does, what, what does Salah mean? Like, what, why, do they bring, why do they keep bringing this up in the Psalms? Uh, just to keep it simple, that, that 
phrase, that word there, it's a break or a pause in the Psalms uh, because remember, all right, this psalm is a psalm, a song. So I like to think of it as like a, a cue for the musician to start playing the music, uh, instrumental music. And, and when you see it, it's sometimes used as a point of emphasis for what comes before it or what comes after it. And so uh, what does he say? What's the emphasis? David, and so David is making a request for God to be gracious to his people, to bless them, and to have his face shine upon them. To say it another way, David is asking for God's favor. These words in this first verse come right out of Numbers 6, 24 and 25, uh, where God instructs Moses to tell Aaron to encourage the people of Israel with these words. You know, having God's face to shine upon them was a sign of God's favor, to know the warmth and to know the smile of God. You know, something I want us to see today is that God's uh, blessings, they were not only spiritual blessings, but they were also physical blessings. It was commonly understood that blessings in the Old Testament were often referred to children, uh, and they were, they were referred to an abundant harvest for food, uh, having some sort of peace, as well as various other things. And we, see in, and we see this in verse 6 in Psalm 67, where David mentions God's physical blessings and says, the earth has yielded its increase, referring to a physical increase in abundance from the earth, such as a, a harvest. And so yes, absolutely, God's greatest blessings are spiritual blessings, and we'll get into that. But I also don't want us to miss God's physical blessings uh, as also a great gift from God. And so David in verse 1 emphasizes a prayer. He's asking for God's blessing and favor. And then he shows the pulse, as we already pointed out, writing Salah. So David doesn't just ask for blessings, putting a period, right? Ending the request. No, he puts that pause there. And so there's more to the story. Leading to the reason for the request, there's a continuation with emphasis. So look at verse 2. He's emphasizing the reason after the pause, stating that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. And so this is important. The reason David is praying for God's blessing and favor is not for himself. It's not so his life will be better. No. As we see in verse 2, David is asking for favor so that, that, that phrase is really important, so that God's way, God's purposes, God's saving power may be known among all the nations, among all the peoples of the earth. You know, that conjunction uh, of that in verse 2 is very important. Right? It connects verse 1 and verse 2 together. It keeps us from the prosperity gospel. Verse 2 is very, very important. That, and, then, and then just to kind of point something else out before we move on. That phrase, all nations, that we see at the end of verse 2 is not referring to a geopolitical boundary. Kind of like the United, it's not referring to something like the United States or Russia or China or any other country that has boundaries and borders that over history continue to change uh, constantly. No, every time we see that phrase, all nations, throughout the entire Bible, we need to think of people groups, which takes into consideration various languages and cultures and ethnicities uh, that, that cause barriers to spreading the gospel. And it's not, again, it's not geopolitical borders and boundaries. 
And so when David says in verse 2 that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all, all nations, he's saying in essence, to say it another way, God blesses his people so that God's saving power can cross these culture language uh, and language barriers all over the world, which we know uh, God's saving power is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God blesses his people so that this gospel, this good news, this story of God's redemption, well, I'll explain in a few minutes, can be known among all peoples all across the globe in a manner that can be understood uh, so that it can cross languages and culture barriers. And what we must understand is that this concept of God desiring to bless all peoples all over the world with God's saving power is not an isolated event or a minor part of Christianity. No, this is God's grand story of the entire Bible. From the beginning all the way to the very end of the Bible, we see one big overarching story of God's plan and purpose to save, redeem, and restore all peoples all over the world back to himself. So listen, global missions is not a ministry arm of the church for a select few people. No, it's the mission of the church. Every Christian is not called to move all the way around the world. But every Christian is called to be a global Christian and to be a part of God's global purposes. And so this must be our desire and our call as Christians because this is God's desire and call for all Christians. Reaching the world and crossing ethnic lines is not a burden that's given to some what others, where others can ignore or brush it aside. No, this is God's burden. And so it should be the burden of every Christian, whether we want it or not. Our purposes, because our purposes must align with God's purposes. And we see from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end of the Bible that God's grand purpose is to draw and bring all people from all nations and all ethnicities and languages from all over the world back to himself. And so, uh, New City Church, like this is, this is not a special vision for our church. This is God's vision that he's given to every Christian all over the world. And so follow me here for a second. One of the very first promises uh, God made to his people was seen in Genesis chapter 12, where God spoke to Abraham. And what we see God say in Genesis chapter 12 is screaming at us here in Psalm 67. God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, that he would make of him a great nation and that he would bless Abraham and make his name great so that he would be a blessing for the whole earth. There's, there's some similarities here. That through Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And so I'm not going to do this today, but this theme runs from Genesis all the way to the end of Revelations, that God's grand narrative and story draws all nations and all peoples from all over the world to worship God. This is God's purpose for the world and for his people. And again, because this is God's grand purpose, if you are a Christian, this is your grand purpose, seeing all people all over the world worship Jesus. You know, Pastor Jeremy said this last week, but I want to make sure this is clear. The end goal is not global missions. The end goal is global worship of all peoples. Just to quote Pastor John Piper again, he said it well, uh, missions exist because worship does not. 
God's global worship is God's end goal and our end goal. In global missions, what we do is the vehicle that gets us there. And so we'll dive more into this in a second, in just a second, but I want to get through the rest of Psalm 67 because what we see following these first two verses is an exuberant prayer and praise that further emphasizes this one big idea and shows the end goal of worship and praise for all peoples. Look at verse 3. It says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth, Salah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So David in Psalm 67, he is pleading for God's favor and blessing. Because he desires for more people to worship God. Five times, David says to God, making requests, saying, let the peoples or let the nations praise you, O God. He's crying out to God for more worship of God. In Psalm 67, David is crying out for more of what we saw last week in Psalm 66, of a sweet praise and worship and for a desire and call for the entire earth to worship God. To come, to come and see what God has done, what, what we saw in Psalm 66, to see God's great glory. And right of the middle, in verse 4 of Psalm 67, right after that second pause that we saw there, we see David declare and emphasize a truth about God by saying God judges the people with equity. That's what it says in verse 4. God judges the peoples with equity. Emphasizing that God is a fair and good judge that guides the entire world. Right, showing us that God is not a, a ruthless and evil, evil judge. No, he's a fair and he's a good judge. And so David here is emphasizing God's shepherding care, his tender and kind, his well-reasoned, his wise care and leadership that can lead the entire world to sing for joy. And so all of this, church, in this psalm, it should lead us to rejoice and to pray and to beg God, to plead with God to bless us, both individually and corporately, together as a church body, so that we may be a blessing for all the peoples of the earth. And so we should unapologetically and without hesitation ask God to lavish his blessings on us and on our church. But let me, let me be very, very clear. We do not ask for God's blessings for our sake. We ask for blessings for the sake of the nations, for the sake of God's global worship. Blessing New City Church is not the end goal. Seeing God use us for God to bless the nations with global worship is the end goal. You know, my missions professor, uh, when I was in seminary, Dr. George Robinson, he adapted this language that came out of Genesis 12 in Psalm 67. And he signed all of his emails. <laughs> he said, uh, blessed to be a blessing, signed Dr. George. I honestly thought it was a little strange <laughs> uh, when I, whenever he did it. I didn't really get it at first. Um, I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't understand the context of what he was saying. And um, it kind of felt like Christianese, uh, but it stuck. You know, when I understood why he said it, it stuck with me. And what I want us to see is how completely life-altering and life-changing this simple idea is. That we as God's people have been blessed and we will be blessed to be a blessing for the world. 
and to the world. Just to say the same idea in another way. God gives blessings to us so that they can pass through us. They're not only for us. They're to be used and shared by us for God's global purposes of more worship. I want to keep beating this idea into our brains here. Uh, and so to divide the rest of our time, we're going, to take, we're going to try to put some more flesh on this simple idea, asking two questions. Like, how does this work? Like, what does this look like? You know, two questions we answer for the second half of our time. Uh, one, how does God bless his people? And number two, why does God want to use these blessings for God's global purposes? Uh, just, just to get this idea of passing uh, this idea of passing blessings along, I want to share a small story with you. I know when we lived in Central Asia, uh, we loved getting care packages. I mean, who doesn't like getting a care package, right? Um, there were a few things that were very hard to get, like uh, good coffee uh, and, and Oreos, and my wife's personal favorite, A1 sauce. I know most care packages were received, and they had good coffee and uh, Oreos. Um, most of the Oreos, however, uh, were crumbled by the time we got them, so it was more like Oreo cereal, which completely altered the way I changed eating Oreos, uh, crumbled up Oreos in a bowl uh, with a spoon. It will completely change your life, okay? And I think my wife almost cried when she got the A1 sauce. Uh, I mean, she felt so loved and cared for. I mean, it spoke directly to her heart. Uh, and I don't want you to miss this, okay? These items in these care packages were blessings for us, right? Good coffee uh, and Oreos and A1 equals great blessings. So just a completely random side note, but although not that random, uh, about Addie benefiting from these blessings. <laughs> you know, and Addie, when she was uh, about one, a little over one, we had a nanny when we were teaching. Um, our nanny didn't know anything about Oreos. Uh, she didn't really speak great English. Um, she uh, was the sweetest lady, Right? She was the sweetest lady. We came home from school one day, uh, and she was like, ooh, Addie really like black cracker. Uh, and I'll never forget when she told us that, um, because Addie, she had, she had chocolate all over her face. And little did she know that Kelly had Addie on a very strict, no sugar diet her entire life. Like, the, the girl had never had sugar up to this point. And our nanny, so she introduced Addie uh, to the great blessings of Oreos and sugar, our team there, they loved it. They got a great kick out of it. Uh, it really got on Kelly, but it was great. Um, Addie uh, got, to got to experience the blessings of the Oreos. But nonetheless, while we're in Central Asia, we received these great blessings. But let me tell you a little problem. It would take several weeks, if not months, to receive these blessings. They had to go on a boat or they had to get on a plane and would oftentimes get stuck in customs for weeks at a time uh, or a few got lost and some just never made it. So for the first five or six months we were there, we had a scarcity mindset with these blessings, with our Oreos and coffee. Uh, we had to ration it off and, uh, and take it slow. We wanted to share, but it was just really hard um, to share. You know, over time, people kept asking us, hey, what do you want us to send? Uh, we said the same thing every time, coffee. Like, send good coffee. We need coffee. Uh, but by the end of our time, all the, the mail finally caught up, and it was kind of obnoxious. We were swimming in great coffee. You know, one guy, he came to visit us and he had, he got two bags to take on his plane. He brought one bag of his stuff and the other bag was just full of gifts for our team there. And about a third of the bag was just packed, jammed, packed with coffee. It was incredible. But we had so much coffee by the end of our time uh, that, you know, the, we gave it away. 
We just started giving it away. Dozens of bags of coffee we were giving away uh, to the workers who were still there. You know, when we were left, when, when we left, it was a lot of fun because, you know, we were crying and they were crying and, and then we would just surprise them with a bag of coffee and bam, it was, uh, we would leave on a good note. It was perfect. But the reason I tell you that story is because we often think of ourselves as the recipient of the care packages and the end stop of God's blessings. But in reality, what Psalm 67 shows us is that we're not the end stop. We're more like the mail carrier. We're a pass-through for blessings. We're not the end point of God's blessings. They do not end with us. No, we're the vehicle and the carrier for God's blessings to pass through. And so, yes, we get the privilege to hold on to it and experience it, but it doesn't stop with us. It's to pass through us. And so using that idea, let's, be, let's look back at our first question. We need to ask, number one, how does God bless uh, how, does God ble- how, has, how does God bless his people? So Oreos, good coffee, and A1 sauce, right? They're, uh, they're great. They're, but they're certainly, uh, they're certainly a blessing from God. But I think we can agree God's blessings are far more than that. Far more than that. As we saw in verse 1 in Psalm 67, David stated a prayer saying, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us uh, for the end goal of making his way known among the earth. And so we must ask, what are these blessings? How is God gracious to us? How does God make his face shine upon us? And so there's so many things we could say here, but I'm going to share these in two different categories. Uh, 1A, spiritual blessings, and uh, 1B, physical blessings. God gives both, and he uses both for his purposes. And the first we see are, are 1A, spiritual blessings. You know, we could talk about these for days, and we're just going to scratch the surface here today. But what can't be missed is the greatest blessing we've ever received by God. If you think of the greatest blessing as Christians, where we are blessed, receive his grace, and see his face shine upon us, is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus is by far our greatest blessing we've ever received by God, because through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we have been given eternal and unimaginable blessings. So just follow me here. And listen to a few of these spiritual blessings that are found in the gospel. This is astounding. Ephesians chapter 2, one of the many chapters where we can see this. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that without Jesus, we were once dead in our trespasses and sins, following the course of the world, uh, following God's enemy, living in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind. And because of this, we're considered children of wrath. But... Because of Jesus' work at the cross, as Ephesians 2 tells us, by God being rich in mercy, showing us his great love, we, were one, we who were once dead in our sins are now considered alive with God. By God's grace, as Ephesians 2 tells us, if we profess faith in Jesus and Jesus alone, we receive a grace we, that we did not deserve. And we have been saved from the penalty of our sin. And because of this, just hear these blessings just from Ephesians chapter two. We're reunited with God to be in his presence, to be in his holiness. We're adopted as his children where we are seated with him in the heavenly places. Oh, we could spend so much time just looking at that one phrase, being seated with God in the heavenly places, but we're not gonna do that. But chase that. It's astounding that we would just sit next to God with him right now. We could harp on these spiritual blessings for hours. There's so many in Scripture. 
But what I, what I don't want us to miss is that we are being lavished with God's blessings daily, moment by moment, that our enemy tries to blind us to. But if we know Jesus, when we look to him, our eyes are open to get a mere glimpse of his incredible glory and holiness, leading us to cry out and, and praise and to worship. Don't miss this. God is so incredibly good, and his blessings for us are continually flowing. Whether we believe it or not, whether we see it or not, or whether we feel it or not, God's spiritual blessings, the the smile of God's face and God's incredible grace to us is never ending because of Jesus Christ. When David prayed in Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. As I've said, the most full picture of this is found in the face of Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you have not trusted in Jesus, there is an incredible blessing waiting for you that is found in Jesus Christ. But I must be abundantly clear here. These blessings that are found come with a cost and they come with a call to deny yourself and to turn away from your sin. We must turn away from our sin and turn to Jesus who takes our sin and washes us clean. These eternal blessings can't be found with our sin dragging along with us. We must be cleansed of our sin and made clean. And the good news of the gospel tells us that Jesus Christ went to the cross to do just that to take away the sin of the world. And when we turn to God in faith through Jesus, there are incredible spiritual blessings that are immediately and eternally available for us. And so if you're here today, or if you're watching online and you have not trusted in Jesus, I want to plead with you. Trust in him. Trust in him today. Hand your life over to him today. You know, I could go on and on and on about the incredible spiritual blessings, but as we think about being a carrier of God's blessings, if you have trusted in Christ, being a carrier of God's blessings for the world, as seen in Psalm 67, with receiving the blessings of the gospel, we must remember that the blessing of the gospel does not stop with us, but it must pass through us so that God's saving power may be known among the earth. If we believe in Jesus God has blessed us with the gospel to be a blessing for the world. And we do that by sharing the gospel with the world. Christian, this is your calling. This is your calling. Don't miss it. God has made you a worshiper. He has made you to worship Jesus Christ so that in turn others all over the world will also worship God. This is not me saying this. This is the Bible saying this in Psalm 67. And something I don't want us to miss is is that we don't just pass on spiritual blessings, but uh, God has also given us 1B, physical blessings, that we're to use for God's global purposes. This is so important for us to grasp, that our entire life as worship is not some intangible thing. Everything God has given us is to be used for God's global purposes, everything. Everything. Every blessing we've ever been given, both spiritual and physical, are to be used for God's global purposes. And yes, this includes our financial resources, but it involves so much more than that. I mean, as a church, we just mailed out $10,000 for God's global purposes around the world. And yes, that's a direct application for this, but it's so much more than that. 
If God has blessed you with resources or time or a house or a car or food or a sharp mind or influence or kids or to, uh, or to live in a strategic place or has given you a job or an education or an upbringing or the ability to make lots of friends or a special skill or talent, whatever it is that God has blessed you with personally, and there are multiple things that we all have, we all have gifts to use for the church. Don't miss the call of Psalm 67. If you follow Jesus, God has given you that gift to be used to make God's way known among the earth. And so a question we must all consider is how are we using the gifts that God has given us, every single one of them? How are we using these gifts to make God's saving power known among the earth? Which leads us to our second and last question for today. Number two, what Why does God want to use these blessings for God's global purposes? To answer this question directly, as we've already said, God wants to do this because worship does not exist in places and with peoples all around the world. And God's plan, his only plan to make this happen is through God's people. Pastor Jeremy said this last week. The church is God's plan, plan A. There is no plan B. God's plan for the world is that his people use what God, would use what God has given them and to use those gifts to make disciples of all nations. That's the plan. God has blessed us to make God's saving power known among the earth. So I want to put a little bit more flesh on this today and paint a picture. Because the harsh present-day reality of our world is that people all over the globe will live and die and never have an opportunity to hear of the good news of Jesus. They may see some of these common graces, like some of these physical blessings, but they will never know where these blessings come from or what their intended purpose is to be used for. Now, there are 7 billion people on the planet, and it's estimated uh, that about half have never heard the name of Jesus. New City Church, as many of you know, we have three global missions partners, and one's in South Asia, in a place where over a billion people live, where it's estimated that 98% of those people are without Jesus and have absolutely no clue of his saving power. And one of our global missions partners is in Central Asia, another one, in a place where uh, 5 million people live, where there is very little, little sustainable gospel witness or gospel movement. There's almost none. There's just a handful of of believers for five million people. And when people come to Christ in this place, after years of sharing and investing, these these new believers, they experience extreme persecution, are often kicked out of their family, and the people that share with them are often turned into the government, questioned, kicked out, and blacklisted forever. I just found out this past week, this exact same thing happened again. And it's devastating. But, and unfortunately, this is the norm. Because we have an enemy that wants to do everything in his power to keep the remarkable grace that is found in Jesus from getting and spreading to these places where the enemy seems to have a stronghold. But as we know and have to continually remind ourselves, the enemy may win a few battles and try to slow down gospel movement. As I've said, often we know that Jesus wins the war. Because at the end of the story, God declares and promises that all people from all over the world will fall on their face and worship Jesus. Every tribe, language, people, and nation will worship Jesus. It's promised. It's guaranteed. 
And because of this, we're going to do whatever it takes as a church to multiply our efforts to make this happen, to see that happen, which is one of the many reasons why we've decided to invest in our third global missions partner in the Dominican Republic, because their hope and prayer for their work is basically the prayer of Psalm 67, just like our church, Pastor Manuel. He's praying that their efforts in the Dominican Republic will help, uh, will, will help to fuel their people and their country from being on the receiving side of missions to the sending, to the global sending side of missions. So that more people, so that the most unreached parts of the world, like in places like South Asia and Central Asia, will worship Jesus. And so we are investing in the Dominican Republic so that we can multiply sending to these hard to reach places. And we'll plant churches here in Tampa and all around our our country for that exact same purpose. So listen, for the sake of the Dominican Republic, for the sake of South Asia and Central Asia, and for the sake of us here at New City, both corporately and individually, we pray Psalm 67. We pray unapologetically and unashamedly for God to bless us so that we may be a blessing for the world. We know that God has blessed us with both spiritual and physical realities that he desires to use that are intended to be a part of making God's saving power known among the earth so that when people are blacklisted and kicked out over and over and over again, my prayer is that God would richly bless us and our efforts here so that we would be able to come back and send and send, and send over and over and over again to these places until we see a sustainable gospel movement in these places where it seems like darkness is winning. And so may God bless our efforts so richly with a harvest of salvation for laborers to be saved and raised up and discipled and sent out so that our sending to the ends of the earth may outpace the enemy's schemes. This is a daunting task. This is a grueling endeavor, but it's worth it. It's worth it so that God's way may be known among the earth. And so what does that look like? How do we do this daunting task? Well, we do the simple things that God has called us to do. First, we make disciples here. We we use the the gifts that God has given us here in Tampa. Because yes, Tampa is part of the world. Your neighbor and your coworker and part of God's global purposes. Tampa is part of that. Do what you love, do what you're good at, and use it strategically for the mission of God. If God has made you hospitable, be hospitable. Praise God. Use it for God's global purposes. Invite people into your home. Share a meal with someone and talk about Jesus when you do it. If God has gifted you to care and to empathize and to counsel, praise God. Use it for God's global purposes by doing it with your neighbor here in Tampa. If God has made you good at making money, praise God. Use it, give it, and invest it for God's global purposes. New City Church, I'm praying that God would bless us with many business people and professors and military workers and athletes and moms and dads and teachers and students and doctors and lawyers and politicians and nurses and future pastors and missionaries and church planters that would be able to strategically use their gifts for God's global purposes. And what that may look like is that you do your job or whatever you do to the best of your ability and with the best attitude possible so that you may share with the people around you. Share about the good news of Jesus with the people around you. By no means am I saying 
that everybody needs to cross cultures and move their life to South Asia to be a part of God's global purposes. But what I am saying is that every Christian is a missionary with gifts that God has given them and that he wants to use for his purposes. And yes, I do believe that many all across our city, all across our state, and all across our country need to move their life to to a part of the world where worship of Jesus does not exist. Not everybody is called to move across the world, but way more that are moving need to be moving. And if you are not called to move your life across the world right now, there are a few things we can do here. And as I've already said, we're called to make disciples right where we are. And you know that you're, and you know what, your classmates, your teammates, your coworkers, your neighbors, whoever that may be, it could be the very next Apostle Paul that sparks a gospel movement among an unreached people group. And so will you be faithful to use your gift of strategic proximity to invest your life with people and to share Jesus with them? Something else we all need to consider is that we don't need to move across, across the world to cross cultures. We can and should be seeking to cross cultures here in Tampa. My hope and prayer is that every single one of us would live lifestyles that cross cultural barriers and ethnic barriers and racial barriers and religious barriers and language barriers and lifestyle barriers. Why? Because this is the heart of God. God desires for all peoples of all different backgrounds to worship him. I consistently pray that the ethnic and culture makeup of our church would reflect the ethnic and culture makeup of our community. And when we pray for our church to to grow in ethnic diversity, again, we pray for this because this is the heart of God. We do this and pray for this because the Bible calls us to do this. I mean, how silly of us would it be to want to be a church that wants to send people to the ends of the earth to need to break through ethnic, linguistic, and culture barriers while also throwing on uh, a, a culture shock and major adjusting. How silly if we can't do it here locally. If we can't do this here in Tampa, how will we do it halfway around the world in a completely different language? Growing in ethnic diversity, this is not a culture thing. This is a kingdom of God thing. This is a great, great commission thing. Ethnic and culture barriers we cross here in Tampa Tampa is a small taste of what needs to happen for all peoples all around the world who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. It's a step in the right direction. You see, church, I want to end with this. You know, I've had so many vivid images burnt into my brain as, uh, just from my, my time overseas. And I've seen little five-year-old girls coming up to our car, knocking on our window, asking for money, asking for food, but knowing and seeing that there are grown men behind them that were using these girls for economic gain. I've watched families carry sheep and goats on their backs on the side of the road to take these animals to sacrifice for ceremonial cleansing, but knowing these animals would not cleanse them in the way that they'd hoped to. I've talked with grown men who have memorized things to say when someone comes up to tell them about Jesus, but knowing these don't logically and rationally make sense, while while them knowing deep down, they don't actually believe it, but they are terrified because they're afraid that they've believed a, a lie their entire life. I've watched grown men huddle around an incense to try to appease a God that does, does not exist. I've watched teenage boys cleanse their, faith, uh, their, cleanse their face uh, and mouth with dirty, algae-infested water, uh, hoping to purify them while knowing about the only thing that water can do is make them sick. 
I could go on and on and on about the heart-wrenching stories I've seen with my own two eyes that break my heart. While also knowing every one of these stories could also be matched with seeing God's power made known among the nations. I've seen young men and women hear and respond to Christ halfway around the world, eager to learn more and then to go and share with their family and friends, seeing an entire village come to know Jesus in three days. I've had the privilege of worshiping and singing and being prayed over with and by local pastors who traveled for eight hours by cars and trains and buses to come and spend three days in a hot hut to be better equipped to fulfill the Great Commission. I've sat across the table from men and women that have been kicked out of their family, have had guns held to their head by family members, yet they continue to profess faith and zealously advance the gospel. I've watched a young girl get baptized in a bathtub in a house while knowing her family would likely disown her in the process. I've I've been able to hear multiple testimonies time and time again of people having dreams and visions, causing them to seek and ask my friends and ask him, hey, tell me about this guy named Jesus. Tell me. And because of this, New City Church, I know and believe with my entire heart because God's word tells us it will happen. And that all peoples all over the world will praise God. And because of that, I want to call us to beg God and to continually pray Psalm 67 over our church. That God would be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that his way may be known among the earth and his saving power among all nations. I'm praying and begging God, just like I said two weeks ago, for nothing short of the next great awakening, not because we want it to stop here, but because we want it to start here and be shot out all over the world. That God would bless our efforts to make disciples here so that God's saving power would be sent out all over the planet. You know, my long-term 30-year crazy audacious goal, that God-sized goal that really makes no sense apart from the mercy and kindness of God, is that we would be a church where our sending capacity outpaces our seating capacity. And how I define that quantitatively is to mean that we would have more people worshiping outside of our church because of the people we've sent out for great commission causes than we have sitting inside of our church. New City Church, I have, I have no clue if this will happen, uh, or if this ever will happen, but I want to call us and pray and beg God The prayer of Psalm 67 for that end, that God would greatly bless us and richly bless us so that we could be a blessing to the nations. Would you pray that with me? Because I know our God is able. Let's pray. God, you're good. You love to bless your people so that we may be a blessing for the world. God, would we use our blessings that you have given us? Would we we just cherish the blessing of the gospel? daily, weekly, so that those around us may know and respond in faith. God, you've entrusted us with with great news. Would we be a people that take it to the world? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.